0: This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show.
1: The amount Americans pay for health services can vary greatly. A medical doctor says consumers would benefit if detailed cost information was freely available in the healthcare marketplace.
2: I want to know exactly what my insurer is paying for, and not just like pharmaceuticals. I want to know which drugs. I want to know which procedures. I want to know how much the room costs. And I think we all should. Should be doing that.
1: Then, every parent knows kids have a tough time learning how to cross the street safely. But why? And how can parents help with these life and death skills?
2: There are parts of the brain that are involved with timing movement and making decisions that are still undergoing a lot of development up through adolescence.
1: Those two stories and more are straight ahead on this week's show. InfoTrack gets underway right after this.
0: Infotrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's
1: your host, Chris Whitting. Healthcare costs keep rising, but why? And why do Americans tend to pay far more for health services than those in other countries? With the story, here's Infotrax Roy Mackey. Roy? Thanks, Chris. Our guest is Elizabeth Rosenthal, MD.
0: She spent 22 years as a reporter, correspondent, and senior writer at the New York Times, and she's now the author of An American Sickness, How Healthcare Became Big Business, and How You Can Take It Back. I realize this is a complex question, but how did the American healthcare system get into the state it's in today? It goes back a pretty long time, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, no one would have designed this system intentionally. I think it's a classic case of the road to hell is paved in good intentions. You really have to trace back to the beginning of health insurance, which in the last century, by and large, your insurer paid for it if you were lucky enough to have it. And it covered everything. There was very little in the way of co-pays, deductibles or out-of-pocket premiums. And so basically what that allowed is over time, health care moved from being a not-for-profit business to a largely for-profit business. And when it's a for-profit business and people aren't paying attention to costs because somebody else is paying, Paying, what do you do? You just try and raise prices. And so we ended up with this wildly inflationary cycle where first hospitals, then doctors, then brand drug makers, then generic drug makers. Everyone just raised the prices while our insurers were paying and we weren't looking. And then suddenly now we're faced with rising premiums and a world of copays and $5,000 deductibles. And we're like, ow, how did that happen? And That's how. And that is not to say that insurance is a bad idea. It's a good idea. People need insurance. Healthcare is very expensive. But the way the system evolved permitted us for many years to be blind to the inflation that was going on within it that was largely profit-driven.
0: Well, speaking of the high prices of particular items, you write in particular about medical devices, items made of plastic and steel like artificial joints and so forth. Why are they so drastically overpriced?
2: Well, they're not in other countries. You know, in some other countries, they say, what's this worth? And you find prices for the same joint in some of the European countries will be a quarter to a third to a half of what they are in the U.S. Why they're so overpriced here is largely because prices will rise to what the market will bear. And we've let the companies, there are four companies that make devices now in the U.S. It's very hard to make a generic device because of all the barriers to entry into the market and those four companies are all perfectly happy not to compete with each other essentially but to take twenty thousand dollars for each device they make and they do that in very clever ways they cultivate relationships with orthopedists in training so that the orthopedists get to know a particular manufacturer's device They want to use that device. There's even, and this surprised me, there's even a representative from the device manufacturer in the operating room helping the surgeon put it in. So it's this very closed system where competition doesn't really help bring down prices. There's no real lever for hospitals to use to bargain. They're kind of stuck.
0: I think it may have just touched on one of them, but you're right about ten rules of dysfunction that basically run the healthcare system. I know we don't have time for all of them, but could you just touch on some of the more perhaps shocking ones?
2: Well, I think the one that everyone reacts to is that a lifetime of treatment is preferable to a cure. Now, that is not of course true from a healthcare perspective. A cure is much better than a lifetime of treatment. But if finance and profit is driving our health care it's just obvious that this would be true. And I think the best example of it is there's a doctor at Harvard who's working on a very cheap cure for type 1 diabetes, which is a, you know, lifelong illness. People are dependent on insulin forever. It's life saving. So she had this promising treatment which could cure diabetes. She went to pharma and said, could you help me finance further studies? And they were like, No, tell us what the business model is. You know, if this works, if you cure type one diabetes, you've ruined a billion dollar industry of insulin, of pumps, of monitors. And P.S., the price of insulin has gone up by hundreds of percent in the last five, 10 years. So it sounds crazy and it's terrible from a medical point of view, but pharma companies, they're for profit businesses. And from a business perspective, A lifetime of expensive treatment is much better than a cure.
0: Our guest on InfoTrack is Dr. Elizabeth Rosenthal. She spent 22 years as a reporter and senior writer at the New York Times and now has written a book called An American Sickness, How Healthcare Became Big Business and How You Can Take It Back. I think between insurance companies and the rest of the bureaucracies, it never really even occurs to healthcare consumers that they can negotiate with a hospital or a doctor. You write about that. Tell us about that a bit.
2: Well, yeah, I've tried to include in the book a number of things that people can do because I think we feel completely helpless when faced with this system. You know, you get the weekly bills for a minor procedure and they're inscrutable and they say what you owe now. And you know that medical costs are the number one cause of bankruptcy and you don't want your credit rating trashed. So people tend to throw up their hands and pay them or go bankrupt or not take a summer vacation. It's a terrible choice. The point is there are things you can do, and I encourage everyone to do them because they will not only reduce your medical bills, but they'll send a signal to all of the providers that are overcharging us that we're not going to take this anymore. And just as a little example, people are getting bills from hospitals now. There's one woman in the book who got a hospital bill that said $45,000 miscellaneous. And she was a lawyer, and that was her kind of tipping point where she said, I'm not going to take this anymore. So she called the hospital and said, I want itemization. I want to know exactly what my insurer is paying for, and not just like pharmaceuticals. I want to know which drugs. I want to know which procedures. I want to know how much the room costs. And I think we all should be doing that. And then 50 to 90% of hospital bills and studies have errors. So you may find, as someone did in the book, that he was charged for a circumcision for his newborn. Well, his newborn wasn't circumcised. So he could say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not paying that. My insurer's not paying that. But even more than that, once you see what you're being charged, you can negotiate. I was really shocked by this, too. I have patients who were charged $25,000 for a cardiac catheterization. They had a very high deductible plan, this man. And he went in and said, I'll give you $10,000. And they said, "Okay, we'll take that. Now, that's crazy. But I think the hospitals all know that the prices are crazy, too. So they're often extremely willing to negotiate. And there are tools that are online now where you can find out, gee, what's the average price for a colonoscopy or an MRI of the knee in your zip code? And you can use that as a negotiating tool. You can say, hey, you know, you're charging me $5,000 for an MRI. I see that the average around here is 2000, which PS is still much higher than in the rest of the world, but hey, at least you become a steward of those healthcare dollars spent on your behalf rather than a victim or an ATM to an industry.
0: Dr. Elizabeth Rosenthal, the author of An American Sickness, How Healthcare Became Big Business and How You Can Take It Back. Dr. Rosenthal, do you have a website where people can learn more?
2: Yeah, they can go to www.anamericansickness.com. There are some resources on there. There are some of the tips that are in the book. In the book, there are even templates of letters you can use to question bills with the hospital. And I know they work because when I was at the New York Times, I became the unofficial newsroom bill troubleshooter at I used a lot of these letters to save a lot of my colleagues' money.
0: Well, thanks again for joining us.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: And for
1: InfoTrack, I'm Roy Mackey. Next, a child's poor motor skills can put their life at risk. That story, coming up. Stick around. There's more InfoTrack straight ahead.